First Thessalonians chapter five, and we'll begin in verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. This is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power and strength of your Spirit. Lord, we ask this morning that you would give to us grace, that we would be uh, given grace so that we can give grace. Lord, we pray that you would help us to heed your word this morning, uh, that as you are commanding us to be patient Lord, that we would look to you, uh, the ultimate example of patience and long-suffering. God, I decrease that you may increase. Be glorified in Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Please be seated, saints. Uh, We come again to the commands and encouragements for the people of God. As we wait for the blessed return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have considered over the past six weeks a variety of commands from our bridegroom while we wait. And while we wait, we are encouraged to build one another up. We've been commanded to highly esteem those who have been given charge over us in the Lord. We have been commanded to live in peace with one another as we admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. We are commanded to maintain the peace that God has created among us as we admonish, encourage, And help the unruly, faint-hearted, and weak. As we mentioned last week, these two categories of people, the strong and the weak, they worship together here in the church. This morning, as we gather, there are those of you who are strong. And there are some of you who are weak. We worship together. Uh, who would discipline uh, the admo- admonish, uh, who would, I'm sorry, the disciplined, who would they admonish if there were no unruly ones? Who would the brave encourage if there were no faint-hearted ones? Who would the strong help if there were no weak ones? We are all given commands. The church is compiled, composed, not of sheep and goats. We are only composed of sheep. And among the sheep, there are strong sheep and there are weak sheep. But we are all sheep who are waiting for the blessed return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while we are waiting together, sheep, we are commanded to support one another in the faith. At the end of this paragraph or portion of Paul's letter, he puts a bow, if you will, 
on the saint to saint commands with closing commands to the saints. And here they are. Be patient with everyone. Do not repay evil for evil. Seek what is good for everyone. Everyone. The command is extended to everyone, no matter if they be sheep or goat. But the apostle is really directing this command of patience and doing good to one another. Not repaying evil for evil. He's commanding that for the church. We here in the church are to be patient with one another. And dear pilgrim, there are a variety of challenges that we face while we wait for the return of Christ. Those challenges, those afflictions even, will often at times cause our attitudes and emotions to vary. It may be that the one who is full of joy today will be filled with sorrow the next time that you meet. It may be that the one who is brave-hearted today is faint-hearted the next time that we meet. It could be that the one who is well in their body will be sick the next time that you meet. And we are commanded, be patient with them all. Uh, Dear brothers and sisters, you and I are called to be, here's the, the meaning of it, Long-suffering with them. Long-suffering. That means that you are willing to suffer long. It means then that you are not quick to anger. Because you suffer long. It means that you are not quick to being irritated. Because you suffer long. It means that you are... Not quick to being frustrated, annoyed, perturbed, if you will, because you suffer long. In the command to be patient, it is really a command to suffer long. You are not easily provoked. You are also not easily offended. You suffer long. The same word is used In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know that chapter, don't you? Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. You may be able to recite it off the top of your head. The scripture reads, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. And it is not arrogant. Love does not, is not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. That means it does not hold long accounts. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. But rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. When we read this so-called love passage, 
We often assume that the apostle is giving us commands or insights into how a husband is to love his wife and how a wife is to love her husband. But this passage is not directed toward husbands and wives. It's for the church. It's how we are to conduct ourselves amongst ourselves. We are commanded to love one another in the church. And one of the ways that we can show our genuine love for one another is when we are patient with one another. When we are long-suffering with one another. There's a few passages other than what we're seeing here in First Thessalonians chapter 5 where the same word patience or long-suffering is being used. You remember in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 26, there is the, the servant who owes a great debt. And he is crying out to his debtor, please uh, be patient with me so that I can repay you this debt that I owe you. The collector has the right to be upset. But the one who is in debt, he begs for mercy. But here's what he begs for. For patience. Be patient with me. I will pay back all that I owe you. But but be long-suffering with me. I know that I owe you. I know that you have every right to be upset with me. But withhold your wrath, I pray. Withhold your anger, I beg you. Even though I have wronged you. We know what patience means, don't we? We know what patience means. It's one who's not rash. Again, one not quick to anger. And Paul calls the church to be patient with all, but especially with one another. In the context, we might apply this command to only the the disorderly. Be patient only with the disorderly. Be patient only with the faint-hearted. Be patient only with the weak. Uh, Dear pilgrims, as we journey onward toward the celestial city, we will find it challenging, won't we? To be long-suffering with fellow pilgrims who from time to time are disorderly and who need to be admonished from time to time. Think about just a trip that you may take with your family while you love them, uh, while you would probably be uh, with no one else. You would probably not, not want to be with anybody else in the car. And there are times when even you and I are sometimes impatient with the ones that we love most. Well, the same will be true with us together as we are traveling together. Toward the city of God, there will be times when we will have to admonish unruly ones as we together are going toward our blessed Savior. We may be tempted at times to to want to cut them off, get out of the car, but we must not. From time to time, it will be a challenge to be long-suffering with the faint-hearted, with those who are on the verge of giving up, with those who say, I just want to go back home. With those who say, I'm just tired. We may want to say, well, then let me turn back around and I'll take you home and you won't come back with me again. But we must not. We must be patient with them. From time to time, it will be tempting to, to want to leave the weak behind. 
can't carry you. It seems like I'm always carrying you. It seems like I'm always encouraging you. Though we may feel, though they are a nuisance to us. Though we may feel as though I know that you have just enough strength to get one foot in front of the next. We may be tempted to want to leave them behind, but we must not. We must be patient with them all. We must be patient, long-suffering. Notice that the apostle says, just in case we are tempted to isolate patience to just these three cases, he says, be patient with all. Not just the unruly, uh, not just the faint-hearted, and not just the weak, but be patient with them all. Who are we, brothers and sisters? We are an assembly brought together from different parts of this country. We have different backgrounds. We have different cultures. We have varying senses of humor. We have varying interests, varying tastes. And yet, we have been united in Christ. We have been brought together by a common faith in the one Lord, Jesus Christ. We have been commanded not to allow these varying differences to define us. But rather, we are defined and united by our common faith in Christ. We're not united. And we've been saying this. I've been saying this, haven't I? It it almost seems redundant, uh, repetitive. I'll let you in on a little secret. It's intentionally repetitive. Because we intentionally, uh, we often need to be reminded of this fact. It is because we are living in a world We are living in a country, especially, that is constantly trying to highlight our differences as being the reason why we cannot sit down together in unity. As the reasons why we should not be here together. And they're right. The world is right. If you're part of that world, then those differences and every reason why you are different should cause you to divide. They're right. If you live in that world. If you're a part of that world, but not this world. Jesus said, because you are not of this world, because I chose you out of this world, then you are to live differently than the rest of the world. You don't come to this church because the person who is preaching to you is someone that you have a lot in common with outside of Christ. I pray not. You don't come to this church because you happen to be of the same ethnicity as me. And I don't preach to you in terms of your ethnicity. You never hear me talking ethnicity wise so that you can uh, relate to what I'm saying. If that's the case, then I'm only speaking to one ethnicity. What we preach here is the truth of God's word. And that truth is for everyone, no matter what ethnicity, background, culture or financial state your life may be in. We unite based upon God's word and God's word alone. The world will say divide because of your differences. Or ignore them altogether. 
Christ says, no, unite on this. You are a sinner who's been saved by grace, saved by the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. And if that's why we are united, then in spite of all of our differences, we must be patient with one another. So this morning, we will have two points considering concerning long-suffering patience. Let's consider them together. Number one, long-suffering so that we may live in peace together. Long-suffering, patience so that we may live in peace together. Patience is a commitment to a pursuit of peace. Remember, at the end of verse 13, we are commanded to live in peace. We live in peace by esteeming our elders, supporting their work, admonishing, encouraging, and helping the disorderly, the faint-hearted, and the weak in order to maintain, to preserve, to cultivate, and to pursue peace. We must be patient with one another. Patience does not come easy, does it? Patience takes maximum effort and a complete reliance upon God the Holy Spirit. Effort on our part, reliance on God the Holy Spirit. We will experience aches and pains in the pursuit of peace, but it is, it is what we are called to endure on this path of peace and righteousness. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. They all say the same command. Be patient with one another as you pursue peace. Paul is teaching the same thing to the church of Thessalonica as he was teaching in Ephesus. And he teaches the same thing in Ephesus as he taught in Colossae. Paul is calling the churches, all the churches, even this church here in Bakersfield, to be patient as we pursue peace with one another. Now, are there challenges? Of course there are. There will always be challenges to our patience. What it will first and foremost require, though, is humility. What is the, the remedy to patience? Humility. What is the antidote to patience? Humility. Patience is to reject a high estimation of oneself. What is that? Humility. Uh, we are called to think of others better than ourselves and more important than ourselves. What is that? Humility. It is not looking down on your brother and sister. It is being difficult to offend. What is that? It's humility. That you consider yourself the least. That you are willing to be last and not first. You are willing to be unseen and unheard. What is that? It's humility. And why humility? Because the peace of the church, the unity of the church is more important than you. The Lord Jesus Christ is the quintessential example of humility. Christ did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. He shows us what we are to strive for in his church, not our church, his church. We are a part of his church. Uh, dear pilgrim, do you want to promote peace? Then be humble. Be humble. That means that you and I, as First Corinthians chapter 13 says, we must believe the best about our brothers and sisters. 
believe the best about them. Love believes all things. It believes the best. Believe the best about those who are traveling with you. That their intentions for you are good and not for harm. That their words towards you are meant to show love and not hate. Dear brothers and sisters, remember, we all have different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. What may be love to them may not be love to you. So be patient with them. Uh, What may be funny to you may not be funny to them. So be patient with them. Uh, what, What may seem as friendship to you may not seem as friendship to them. So be patient with them. Believe the best about your fellow travelers, your fellow sojourners. Believe the best about them until they prove you wrong. And when they fail you, did you hear that? Newsflash. Those sitting around you, they will fail you. And when they do, be willing, be ready, be eager, uh, eager to forgive. I want to forgive. I want to move forward. I want reconciliation. Read the letters of the New Testament. There are commands for saints to get along with one another. That means that there was conflict, wasn't there? That means that from the very beginning of the church, there have been conflicts. If you've not benefited by me yet, hang tight. You eventually will be offended by me. And I pray that my offense will not be intentional. But that when it happens, that I will be humble to ask for forgiveness and that you will be humble to forgive me. And the same grace that you extend to me and I pray that I extend to you, that you extend to everyone because you're humble. Again, I will not be the only one to offend you. Back in the old church that I came from, the pastor used to say, turn to your neighbor. Well, look around you for a second. They will offend you. And when they do, be humble. They have not yet arrived. They are not yet glorified or perfectly sanctified, I should say. We have not yet achieved perfection, though we are striving for it, as as Brother Anthony said this morning. We must be ready, willing, and even eager to forgive. As it's been said before, keep short accounts. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If we are to be humble, if we are to be patient, then we must not be the obstacle to reconciliation. I would love to reconcile, but I don't want to be the one who is preventing that. Does that make sense? You want peace? Then don't be the barrier to peace. You want reconciliation? Don't be the barrier to reconciliation. If one is ready to reconcile, then you should be ready to forgive. If we are not promoting peace, then our testimony before Christ is not true. If we are not promoting reconciliation and forgiveness, then our testimony before Christ is not true. If saints would be humble, uh, and I'll say this without any kind of hesitation or shame, 
It amazes me how many so-called saints are okay with leaving a church without reconciliation, without there being peace. If there is no desire for peace and reconciliation, how can you truly call yourself one who has received peace and reconciliation? We are ministers of reconciliation. How then can we not promote and desire peace? Talk to one another if there's conflict. Work it out. They are your brother. That is your sister. You owe to them because you've received forgiveness. You owe to them your forgiveness. Work it out. And even if you cannot agree to worship in the same place, at least you can say we tried. We talked. We're at least at peace with one another. So that when you see each other in this small city, although it's heavily populated, you'll see one another and there'll be no awkwardness with them. You'll say, hello, brother. How are you doing? Good for you. Uh, We must not divide over an unwillingness to forgive. What does that say of our testimony? What does that say of our testimony? If one seeks forgiveness, give it to them. Don't require payment from them. If one seeks forgiveness, give it to them. Haven't you sought forgiveness with God? And what did he require of you? Not a thing. Only that you come to him in faith. Do not confine a person who has sinned against you to their sin. Lest you keep them in prison for something that they should be forgiven of. If we fail to obey the command to forgive, then we fail to take heed to Christ's example and command to Peter, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? No. An infinite amount of times you should forgive. We'll talk more about this in a moment. Patience sometimes means that you consider the context of someone's life. Maybe you've been offended from time to time. Haven't you been sometimes offended and you thought, where did that come from? And then you come to find out that there was something going on in that person's life. And you just happened to be the person that they ran into when it all exploded. You just happened to be the person that that you that they ran into when it all came to a head. Take into consideration, maybe there's something going on in their life. Here's a few things to consider. Maybe they're immature in faith or in age. Be patient with them. It could be, especially here in the church, it's the first time they've ever experienced church. Be patient with them. It could be that they do not have knowledge of scripture that you have. So be patient with them. It could be that they are physically sick, maybe tired, maybe overworked. And their harshness is not towards you. It's just life. And you happen to be the person they ran into when they broke. Be patient with them. Could be that they had no idea that they offended you. Be patient with them. This is the way that I normally am. I'm sorry. Be patient with them. This requires not just humility, but communication. You got to talk. And some of us have grown up in homes where we don't talk. We just kind of get past it and it builds up and we keep it inside and we're angry and we're mad and we're frustrated because we were never taught that it's okay to talk. 
talk to your brother and sister. Is everything okay? Did I offend you? Did I maybe cross the line here? And if maybe they don't come to you, then maybe you should go to them. Brother, I just want to give you, sister, I just want to give you just a heads up. This was a little offensive. I would just encourage you to be careful because I forgive you, but someone else might not. Be patient. And remember this, patience is not easily offended. It's long-suffering. Give the person the benefit of the doubt. Remember, not everyone thinks like you. Not everyone agrees with you on everything. I know you're right all the time. But not everyone agrees with you all the time. Consider this. Not everyone agrees with your and my politics. Not everyone agrees with your and my views on education. Not everyone agrees with your and my views on parenting, on recreation, and on a host of other things, even though the Bible should be where we learn and where we grow and where we get our understanding. Some people are not just there yet. So be patient with those who may be still growing in their understanding. Be patient. Which requires you and I to be humble. One of the ways that you can do this is by being aware of your own growth. Being aware of your own holiness or lack thereof. Being aware of your own maturity or immaturity. Take, for example, maybe someone is not a Calvinist. Well, how long did it take for you to become a Calvinist? How many things did you fight through and wrestle through before you finally came to the doctrines of grace? Well, be patient with those who are, for goodness sakes, working through it. Here's, be gracious with those who are working through the doctrines of grace. It amazes me how graceless some people are when explaining the doctrines of grace. I can't believe you don't get this. How do you not see this? Slow down. It took me one year of studying on my own before I brought it to my wife. And I was the most graceless person you could have ever known. She taught me by God using her to be more gracious, especially when explaining the doctrines of grace. Maybe someone is not convinced that the Lord's Day is the Christian Sabbath until Christ returns. Well, remember how off-putting even the word Sabbath was for you when you initially were introduced to this doctrine. I don't even like saying the word Sabbath. It's hard to even get it out of my mouth. Well, maybe they're not aware of the gift that the Lord's Day is. That it's not a burden, but that it is a gift. Be patient. Here's what you do. You plant God is the one who waters and God is the one who makes the increase. God does that. You be faithful in being faithful to the truth. God will do the rest. Be patient. Remember how God has been patient with you. Remember how God has been patient with you. The Lord says in Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord does not delay his promise as some regard delight or some regard delight or delay. Sorry, but he is patient with you. God is patient with you and I. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God has been patient with us, who are we to be impatient with others? Every time that you, dear short-fused one, are tempted to be impatient with your brother or sister, 
remember that God has been patient with you. The Lord in his grace and his mercy did not condemn you and I the very moment that we rebelled against him. But God has been long suffering with us. So we must be long suffering with others. God has delayed his justice so that you and I would come to repentance. So be slow to anger. Be slow to wrath with those who uh, are not as advanced in holiness and knowledge as you. I don't think that I would be faithful if I did not conclude this first point with some cautions in regard to patience, though, as well. Meaning this, patience is not, is not a license to sin. Patience is not a license to sin. Paul calls us to be patient in pursuits of peace. But we are not to see those who are sinning and say, just be patient with them. Just be patient with them. We don't allow sin to continue in the church in order to promote peace. That's not a promotion of peace. That is a eventually destroying of the house of God. We must not give the impression that sin is tolerated in the church. It will not be. Paul calls the church to be patient. Or, or, or uh, to put up with. Those who are repentant, but not be patient with, not put up with, those who are contentious and divisive. You see that? Patient with the one who is repenting, absolutely not patient with the one who is not repenting. Uh, We are called to warn the unrepentant sinner. And if they do not repent... We are to mark them and then avoid them. There's a big difference there. We have just given about four or five different encouragements about those who are working through it. But for those who refuse, those who are not, those who are unrepentant, there is no patience for them. There is a warning. If they do not heed the warning, there is a call. To mark them and avoid them. This person is being divisive. That's okay. No. Call them on their sin. And that they will not repent of it. Mark them and avoid them. This person is gossiping. Be patient with them. No. Not in the least. Warn them. And if they do not repent. Mark them and avoid them. There is no patience with sin. Allowing a fire to burn is not good for the building. It must be put out. Now, if they're heeding the warning, then we forgive them. But if they are not, then they must not be tolerated. Matthew 18 and Matthew 16, but specifically Matthew 18, tells us that there is an end to patience in the church. There's an end point to patience in the church. They are to be confronted. Take two or more with you. Take it to the elders. Take it to the church and excommunicate. And these are all steps of calling to repentance. And if they will not do this every single time, mark them and avoid them. Sin is not tolerated in the church. There is an end to patience. Church discipline is ready and willing to be patient with those who are repentant. It's ready and willing to be patient with those who are repentant. But it is intentionally not patient with those who are not repentant. For those who abuse the patience of the church to continue in sin, they are only storing up more judgment for themselves. Another caution in closing. 
Patience does also, does also does not mean that you should not confront sin. If you see someone who is sinning, it is your responsibility to confront them. Now, confront often gives this idea of, uh, you know, us walking up to someone with our chest out and saying, hey, you. Uh, that's not really the, the, the idea that's supposed to be communicated. Confronting someone a sin is going to them in love. It's because you do love them. You do care for them that you are willing to come to them. No one should ever feel when you are coming to them in sin as though you're about to beat them up. What would that normally naturally do to the person who is in sin? Normally, if you are someone who's doing something wrong and someone comes to you in an aggressive manner, what is it normally going to do to the person who's being confronted? It may make the person react with aggression. You come to me in aggression, now I'm coming to you in aggression. Do you see how this constantly, it builds and it builds, and all of a sudden, what was initially meant to be something good turns into something just blows up. I know all about that. Trust me, I do. Having the right intention, but doing it the wrong way. Patience does not mean, though, that you are that, that if you are sinned against, you should be silent about it. And this is how abuse happens. One sins against you, go to your brother, seek restoration. Patience is not non-confrontational. It's willing to go and confront, but not in, in, in anger or hostility. Not at all. With the mindset that I'm willing to unmask facades and in my language, keep it honest with you, as we say, keep it real, right? But do so in love. So that the person who is confronting me knows they care about me. That's why they're coming to me and saying these things, because they care about me. Being unafraid of being told that you are wrong or telling others that they're wrong is fine. As long as you do it in love. Someone says, I'm not afraid to be told what's wrong. And I'm not afraid to tell someone else what's wrong. Well, that's fine. Just do it the right way. So that they can receive it. And so that when they walk away, they can say about you, I really appreciate the way that you brought to me my error and my sin. Not that it makes me feel better about myself. It makes me feel that you love me. That's it. Going to someone, confronting them about their sin can either make them feel this big, which I probably, they probably already will feel once you tell them about their sin, or it can make them feel worthless. They're already going to feel bad enough when you tell them about what they've done wrong. Don't make it worse by making them feel worthless. Okay. Be patient. Secondly, Love in your pursuit of peace. Again, these are all things that we must do while we wait for the blessed return of Christ. Love in your pursuit of peace. We are commanded three times in the New Testament. Love in the pursuit of peace. Love in the pursuit of peace. Why? Oh, here's what we're commanded to do. Let me actually read it because we're... This is the uh, the command. Verse 16. Here it is. Uh, verse 15, sorry. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another. 
and for all people. That command. That command is three times in the New Testament. Do not repay evil for evil. Always seek good for everyone. Three times. Why? Uh, is it because it's important? Yes. But it is because not repaying evil for evil and doing good to others is our greatest challenge in the church. Uh, and it is our greatest challenge as humans who have been polluted by sin. See, it, it, here's what it literally means. See that no one. See to it, it should say, or see yourselves. Paul is calling us to do this. Be aware of you. Be aware of me. Be aware of who you are. Don't repay evil for evil. Do good for everyone. See the phrasing of that? Know yourself. Don't repay evil for evil. Know yourself. Do good to all. Our natural instinct to the unruly, to the faint-hearted, and to the weak is to say to them, I am done with you. Get up. Stop being a crybaby. It's what we normally naturally want to say and do. When someone offends, we automatically want to go into self-defense mode. It's what we normally naturally want to do. If it's not an offense or offense to repay, it's a defense in that we build up walls. But it's still repaying evil for evil. Be aware of yourselves. Think about this. What are your natural tendencies? Are you a person who naturally likes to respond Negatively, when you have been told something negative. Are you a person who holds grudges? Naturally. Are you a person who, when you uh, hear gossip, enjoy it and want to pass it on? Are you a, a person who naturally is negative? Do you take negative spins on everything? Do you repay evil for evil? Do you, are you a person who revenges yourself? That someone may say, that's avenge. No, it's actually revenge. The English has gotten wrong. It's, do you, are you a person who revenges yourself? Even if it's just an attitude. Do you know that the silent treatment is wrong? A brushing someone off and ignoring or avoiding someone is wrong. Why? Because we're not sheep and goats. We're all sheep. Some are strong and some are weak. But you can't avoid the sheep because you're treating them, you would be treating them like a goat. You would be in sin. Well, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. They spoke bad about me, so I'm going to speak bad about them. That's not the way for the people of the book. What world do you live in? What world are you of? 
And where are you going? Because as I look around, it seems like we're all walking toward the same place. But that kind of attitude slows us down. Because we're all going together. I will say again. uh, When we are wronged, we should not repay evil for evil. We should do good to one another in spite of what's been wronged or how we've been wronged. Love the way you want to be loved. They call it the golden rule, don't they? Have mercy the way you would want others to be merciful toward you. Dear pilgrims, this requires love. Paul is calling us to fulfill the law. What are the two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love our neighbor? Paul tells us, seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That's the definition of love. To do good to one another. As we wait for the return of Christ, love each other. The world is hard enough as it is. Traveling down this road toward the celestial city is hard enough as it is. Don't make it more difficult for the saints. Love each other. Do good to one another. Again, when we consider 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, we are striving for that kind of love. The kind of love that you are presently showing to the church. Is it evident that it is that kind of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 kind of love? Or could you do better? Some of us may have said in our own hearts, gosh, I got to travel all the way to where does Dustin and Dinah live? Terabella? Where in the boondocks is that? You're right. It is in the boondocks. But do you know that they have shown love for Christ and his church by making that trip sometimes twice in one day? What kind of love would we show to them by going just once? I said, I'm not coming in the summertime. It's hot out here. It's loving people the way you would want to be loved. And we are called to do the opposite of what's natural to you. We took an evaluation. What's natural for me? Do the opposite. Okay, I just looked at Scott. Sorry. There's an episode of Seinfeld. George, who you guys all probably know, was a loser. And George had been doing the same thing all of his life until Jerry one day says... Maybe do the opposite. He does the opposite of everything that he ever done. He ends up being an executive for the New York Yankees. <laughs> well, what have you been doing thus far? If it's good and it's biblical, then keep doing it. But if, if it's the opposite of what Christ has commanded, then do the opposite of what's natural to you. Do what's new to your new nature. What's true to your new nature in Christ. And first and foremost, that is love. See what you naturally want to do and do what God would have you do instead. Why? Because you're not your own. You have died. You no longer live, 
But the life that you now live, as the apostle says, you live by the Son of God who died for you. You have been bought with a price, and it is the price of the precious blood of Christ. You are not your own. If Christ is your Lord, then there is a different way that you must live. We must not seek to hurt one another. And you know, avoiding someone hurts. Ignoring someone hurts. Not acknowledging someone hurts. You don't know what kind of background they had. Maybe they've always been ignored. And then now they come to the church and now you're ignoring them. That's a I'm only thinking of me attitude, not thinking of them attitude. And that is no, there is no place for that for the people of God. You know that Christ commands us to love our enemies. Christ commands us to pray for them. To seek their good. What destroys peace in the church? Evil for evil. What builds up? Doing good to one another. No one's saying it's easy. No one's saying it's easy. It's difficult. What in life is really easy, though? Think about that. Think about your day. It's not easy for you to get up to go to work in the morning, but you do it. It's not easy for you to... uh, uh, Let me take it a different route. Uh, It's not easy for you to bear with those who you work with, but you do it. It's not easy for some of us to drive the way we drive. Some of us... uh, Hopefully we we would repent of it. Some of us have certain rages that we have when we drive. Nothing is easy. Going home and cooking is not easy. You wish someone would, would do it for you. Nothing that is worth something is easy. It's always going to be effort. And the only way that it can be accomplished is not by your strength, but by you and I relying upon the strength of God. How are you able to come this morning? God gave you the strength. How are you able to love your neighbor in this church? God will give you the strength. How are you able to do good to one another? God will give you the strength. And if you're lacking, pray to God because he will answer these kinds of prayers. He may not answer your prayer for a million dollars, but he will answer your prayer to help me love my brother and sister more in the church. Those are prayers that God will answer. They're according to his will. If he commands it, he'll answer it when you pray for it. We have not because we ask not. Pray, God, help me to love him better, her better, them better. You know who they are. And maybe they're not in this church. Maybe they're somewhere else. Help me to love them better. The ultimate expression of this is Christ. God's love In Christ is what brings us peace. God has been long suffering with us and has shown us love by sending his son so that we might have peace with him. And in having peace with him, that we could have peace with one another. Think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's the ultimate example of doing good to our neighbor. Who's the Good Samaritan? Christ is the Good Samaritan. Christ is the good Samaritan. Christ helps the helpless. Christ does good to those who can do no good to him in return. Christ does good to us in our helpless dead state. Christ 
is the perfect neighbor. And we are to follow his example. In Christ, we see God's love that brings us peace. God did good to us. He procured our good. He sought our good. He poured that goodness on us in Christ. God takes Christ, takes our burdens, and takes them upon himself. In Christ, God does not demand instant payment for us, but cancels our debts in Christ. In Christ, we see God not revenging himself against our rebellion, but making peace with us through the blood of Christ. God could have condemned us, but instead he covenanted with us in Christ and promised that he would forgive our sins if we repent and turn to him alone. He says that he would remember our sins no more. God is the perfect example of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we are to strive for that kind of love. In God's love, He's given us Christ. And we see the, the origin and the model of our patience, our uh, striving for humility, our love, our peace. It's all modeled for us in Christ. That love should fill our hearts and that love then should spill over into our neighbor's. We obey this command to be patient because we have peace with God in Christ. So the question is, do you have peace with God? Because if you have peace with God, then it shall spill over to peace with your neighbor. Do you know that he's been patient with you to repent? Then be patient with those who are around you, who may have wronged you in certain ways. Don't dismiss it, but be patient with them. If you have not had peace with God, then turn to Him. He is here offering to you peace, and He is inviting you to join us as we travel toward the holy city of God together. Be patient with one another, brothers and sisters. Let's pray.